Journey into space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in The World in Peril. ship believed to be part of an invasion fleet from Mars has landed in the Lake District. As soon as the news reached London, Jet Morgan, Doc Mitch and Lemmy were flown to the spot by helicopter to identify the strange craft which had crashed in a wood and was thought still to contain a crew. All efforts to enter the ship by normal means failed and Jet finally decided to burn his way through the door with high-powered acetylene equipment. But before it arrived, the sphere's door opened of its own accord. As nobody came out of the ship, Jet and Doc decided to go in. It's about time they came out, isn't it, Mitch? Oh, give them a chance, Lemmy. They've hardly been gone two minutes. Well, that's all they'd need to see if there's anybody in there. I think we should call up Control Point and get some of those coppers over here. Look, the police are to be called only in an emergency. There isn't one yet that I can see. Oh, isn't there? Look, look at that. The door, it's closing. Great Scott. Jet, Doc. Lemmy, look out. Stand back. Oh, crikey, it's shut. And it's still in there. Fancy trying to go in. If you'd got caught in that door, it would have crushed you to pulp. I wanted to warn them, Mitch. What are we going to do now? Jet! Doc! Can you hear us? Jet! Doc! Uh, no, Lemmy, I don't think they can. Oh. The walls of this thing are too solid. Hey, listen. That must be them. They're all right. There, see if they reply. Yeah, yeah, they do. So, we still can't get them out. I'll try the outside control again. It didn't open it before, why should it now? Well, there's no harm in trying. It's no good, Mitch. We'll have to wait for the proper equipment to arrive. There's something coming now. Just appeared from behind the hill. Yeah. Look, you wait here, Lemmy. Give that ship an occasional kick to let yes. Jet and Doc know we haven't forgotten them. All right. I'll go over and meet the helicopter and yes. give the supervisor a hand to bring that stuff over here. All right, yes, mate. Oh, don't you worry, Jet boy. We'll get you out of there, mate, even if we have to use a tin opener. Hey? Oh, no! Ah! <laughs> the door! It's opening! Jet! Doc! All right, Doc. How'd you get quick? You bet. Oh, thank goodness you're safe, mate. We thought that thing was going to take off with you in it. <laughs> so did we. In fact, we're certain that's what it tried to do. What did you do, Lemmy? How did you get the door open? Oh, it didn't do anything. It opened up all on its own. Oh. Where's Mitch? Gone over to meet the copter and help the supervisor with the acetylene equipment. Supervisor, did you say? Of course, Doc. Oh, well, here's Mitch now, but it's not Jenkins with him. It's the lunar controller. Yeah. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Morning, sir. I flew out from London the moment I heard about this ship landing. Mitch tells me you've already been inside. That's right, sir, and it's empty. We searched the upper and the lower cabins, but there was no sign of anybody. Well, it's been sitting here for nearly 48 hours. Its crew have had plenty of time to leave the ship and get well away. Oh, we're supposing it carried a crew. Why else would it land, Doc? What would be the point? Now, it's my belief that once this ship had landed and its crew had left it, it should have returned to its parent ship out in space, but something has gone wrong and it can't take off. You mean it's remote controlled by those asteroids you saw? Yes, sir. It tried to take off while we were in it, but it couldn't leave the ground. That's why the door keeps opening. 
Whoever's operating the control seems to be pressing every button in the hope that something will happen. Hey, hold that she goes again. Hey, we'd better stand well back, sir. Anything might happen. Ah, uh, that's the door closed once more. Here. Do you think the power circuit in there is so arranged that the ship can't take off unless the door is properly closed? You know, like on a tube train. That's a thought. Well, if that's the case and we wedge the door open, it would never take off. And look, look, look at her now, quivering like a piece of jelly. Yeah, she's trying to rise. It's no go, is it? That thing's definitely on the blink. Well, if it can't take off, there's no danger of our losing it. Our more immediate problem is to find its crew. But what do they look like, sir? Are they Martians or are they Earthmen? People taken to Mars, put in a conditioned state, and then sent back here as spies. A fifth column to prepare the way for the major invasion that'll come later. But what if they are Martians, after all? And then finding them shouldn't be too hard. They couldn't possibly look like Earthmen. There's bound to be some marked difference. But what? They may not look like anything. What do you mean by that, Lemmy? Well, I mean, for all we know, a Martian might be invisible. Maybe there is a crew in that ship, after all, sitting in there, opening and closing the door on us and... Generally trying to take the Mickey. That's about the worst suggestion that's been made up to now. Oh. Aye, aye. They must have heard me. It's trying to take off again. And they're succeeding this time. It's definitely moving. Look out, duck! Let me get down! Oh, I thought for a minute it got me. Where did it go? I skimmed just above the ground for a few yards and then went into a vertical takeoff. Oh, look at it now. No more than a tiny spot in the sky. What a fantastic climbing rate. If there was anybody in it, they'd be squashed flat. Well, that settles that, gentlemen. There go all our hopes of capturing that ship. Yeah, now we'll never know how it works. Let me call up control points and tell them we won't be needing that equipment after all. Yes, yes. Uh, what do we do now, sir? Search every square inch within a radius of a couple of hundred yards. Look for footprints. Anything that could give us some clue as to what kind of people came out of that ship. Very well, sir. We'll split up. Start with a small area and gradually increase it. Sir... Yes, Doc? Uh, we found something. Uh, at least Mitch has. Where? On the other side of the wood. Footprints. But whether they have anything to do with the crew that left that ship, we can't say. There they are. Couldn't be plainer. The ground must have been quite soft when these impressions were made, though it's uh, dried out since. Which means it was almost certainly raining when whoever made these prints passed this way. Well, the night the ship landed, there was a storm raging. They look like the impressions of two pairs of golfing shoes. And whoever was wearing them must have been heading for the hilltop. A ah, couple of ramblers. That's the sort of shoes they might wear. Well, I'll get somebody from Control Point to come over here and photograph them and take some casts. Meanwhile, let's head up the hill ourselves, shall we? Well, this must be about where those two campers who first saw the ship pitched their tents. Maybe it's their tracks we're following. Could be. But this is also the way to the nearest road where anybody leaving the ship would be likely to make for. Let's keep going as far as the highway anyway. Spread out. Walk slowly and keep your eyes open. Well, here we are on the road and no further sign of them. Well, they certainly headed in this direction. We'll search both sides of the road for a mile each way. You and me this side, Jet. Doc... Lemmy and Mitch on the other. Right out, okay, sir. Away you go, then. And watch out for the traffic. Well, Jet? No, sir. Nothing. Doc? Uh, not a thing, I'm afraid. Mitch? Same with me. So, why should I be luckier than anybody else? Well, I still believe that whoever left those prints came as far as this road. Then they were either given a lift or they walked as far as the next town. In either case, they must have been seen. If not during the night, then either yesterday or today. Well, how do we find out? We get the police to help us. To find two people we can't even describe? Two people wearing exactly the same type of shoe cannot be such a common occurrence. If they put up at a nearby town, they might well have had the hotel porter clean their shoes for them. 
They'd walk through plenty of mud. Well, it's a long shot, but I suppose it might lead to something. Long or not, it's the only thing we've got. If we can trace these two, it might help us to track down the rest. The rest? Don't let's fool ourselves that this was the only ship to reach Earth. Dozens of spheres left those asteroids, and they must have landed somewhere. If somebody left this ship, why not the others? Why not? And how many others? See who that is, Lemmy. Well, let's hope it's the tea. I'm dying of thirst. Oh, oh, good morning. Come in. Good morning, Lemmy. It's the controller, Jet. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, sir. What news? We drew a blank there, I'm afraid. The police checked up with every hotel in the district, but nobody was wearing a shoe with a pattern like the one we found in the mud. Whoever made those must have left the Lake District that night. Got a lift along the road. Well, by now, they might be anywhere. If you go around checking every hotel in the country, it'll be Christmas before you're finished. And by that time, they would have worn out the shoes they got and bought a couple of new pairs. Lemmy. Wow. A nationwide checkup will take time, and we have to work fast. Our best bet would be to find the motorist who gave those two men a lift. Well, how can you without appealing to him to come forward? And once you do that, you put paid to all hope of a secret inquiry. We, we can cover up the real reason if we have to, but first we'll try it without. The police are going to let us have reports of every motoring incident of which they have a record for a week back. Meanwhile, Jet, perhaps you'd like to take a look at this. What is it? Read it for yourself and see. Good heavens. Other ships have landed. How many? Where? Three. One in Australia, one in India, and the last in South America. All of them identical with the one we saw. Was anybody seen to come out of them? No, they landed in remote places and were spotted by only a few people. By the time reports of the landings had reached official sources, the spheres had taken off again. How long did they stay down? Not long. Apparently, they had no trouble taking off. And their crews, if they had any, haven't been found. No, which is all the more reason why we must intensify our search. It occurred to me that if our sphere did crash... Well, there's no doubt about that, sir, judging from the mess it made of the trees. Then there's a likelihood of at least one of the men we're after being injured. That's another clue to their identification, if we can ever find anybody who picked them up. Well, that's all I have to say for now. If I have any further news, I'll be paying you another visit. Very well, sir. And, uh, incidentally, I received news from Space HQ that the Discovery and two freighters will be ready within the month. You're still willing to return to Mars, I take it? Of course, sir. Good. And I'll see you again soon. Yes, sir. You can start plowing through these. Oh, turn it up, Mitch. I've read so many reports, I'm going goggle-eyed. Parking offences, speeding, shooting the lights. And you know, I never realised so many people drove while under the influence. Dozens of them. Get down to it, Lemmy. We've got lots more to go through. But none of these fellas could ever have been anywhere near Mars. They behave too normally. Hey, here's something. What, Doc? Oh, any of you read this case before? Fellow called Moore. What did he do? That's the whole point. He didn't do anything. What was that? Yeah, picked up in Hyde Park near Marble Arch on the evening of the 3rd of July. The day after the ship landed. Mm. So, what's this uh, nothing he was doing? Found at the wheel in a stupefied state, not fit to be in control of his vehicle. Oh, I've got a couple like that. He had one too many. <laughs> That's what the constable thought, but he was wrong. Police doctor found the man was ill and had him taken to the hospital. Well, what is wrong with him? Apparent loss of memory. Thought he was in Warrington instead of London. 
And his temperature was abnormally low. Where does he live? Manchester, a commercial traveler. But unless he's considerably improved since this report was made out, at the moment he's in Paddington Hospital. Well, I think we'd better see him. Let me get yeah. the controller on the phone, will yes, you? Yes, mate. Now, look, don't let's get too excited. This may have nothing to do with what we're looking for. Hello. Special line, A247. Yeah, that's right. Morgan speaking. Oh, hello, sir. Oh. Yes, very well, sir. We'll wait until we hear from you. Uh, and thank you, sir. Moore was discharged from hospital two days ago. Oh, no. Where's he now? They presume he's gone back home. Anyhow, the controller's getting onto it, and if he is in Manchester, they'll have him flown down here on the next available plane. Good. I'd very much like to meet Mr. Moore. Me too, Lemmy. gentlemen. He's outside. He'll come in just as soon as we're ready for him. You found him quite easily? Yes, Jed. He was living at the address he gave the police. Didn't seem to have anything to hide. What kind of a man is he? Middle-aged. Portly. A strong character, I would say, but rather worried about what happened to him. Anything else? Um, no, sir. Shall I bring him in, then? Yes, do, sir. We might as well see him and get it over. Very well. Here. What if he recognizes us as the men who went to Mars? It's unlikely. Like most other people, he doesn't know the fleet has returned yet. But uh, to be safe, you'd better handle him, Doc. Okay, Jack. The rest of us will go into the next room. He's not likely to recognize just one of us, but the four of us together might be a different story. Mr. Moore, this is Dr. Matthews. Pleased to meet you, Doctor. How do you do? Sit down, will you? I don't mind if I do. The uh, doctor would like to ask you a few questions, Mr. Moore. You can be perfectly frank with him. Don't try to hide anything. Why should I? <laughs> I've got nothing to be ashamed of. Good. I understand, Mr. Moore, that you've recently had a lapse of memory. That's right, sir, I have. And I can't understand it. One minute I was driving near Warrington, uh, in Lancashire, you know, uh-huh. and, and next time sitting in Hyde Park at the wheel of my car without the slightest idea of how I got there. <laughs> but that's just not possible. I mean, you couldn't be in one place one moment and in another the next. I didn't say I was. I said it seemed like it. Oh. Uh, what time were you in Warrington? In the early hours of the morning. When I woke up in Hyde Park, it was the evening of the next day. And the funny thing was, I intended to spend the night in Warrington. I had the hotel booked. Did you notice anything strange before this loss of memory occurred? Aye, I did. I don't like to admit this, but long before I got to Warrington, funny things were happening. What things? Well, tell me, Doctor. Is it possible for a man to have nightmares while he's awake? I can't say I've ever heard of such a thing. Well, it happened to me. Uh Uh-oh. You see, I'd called at Penrith. That's in the Lake District, you know. And by the time I started out for Warrington, which was my next port of call, it was already dark. Well? I'd already done a full day's driving and was feeling pretty tired, so I I chose to drive along the secondary roads to avoid the heavy traffic, you see. You know, I found it difficult to keep awake. I'm not surprised. Well, I'll confess it now. I don't intend to hide anything from you. Good. Then a storm come up. One of the worst I've driven through for a long time. And I tell you, if I'd seen an hotel or an inn right there, I'd have, well, I'd have packed it in and got myself a bed. But there was nothing for it but to press on. And then it happened. What? The bad dream, the nightmare. Tell me about it, Mr. Moore. Well, I'm driving along. Not too fast, mind you. I'm not a fool, you know. Talking to myself to keep awake. When suddenly there's a flash of lightning... 
And I sees two men standing at the side of the road and waving to me to stop. What's the trouble? My friend, he's hurt. This is a fine night to choose for an accident. Do you want a lift? Thank you. It is most fortunate that you came by. Oh, always glad to help someone in trouble. Is your friend badly hurt? It is nothing but difficult for him to walk. Well, put him in the back seat. He can stretch out there. Hang on a minute. I'll come down and give you a hand. No, I will manage. Just open the rear door. He seems to be in a pretty bad way. Let me come down and help. No, just open the door. Oh, all right, if you say so. Thank you. Don't touch him. I wasn't going to touch him. Just moving a few things off the seat. You want him to be comfortable, don't you? He is comfortable enough. He can sleep now. Put your rucksack on the floor. There's plenty of room. Now, all set. Thank you. It's a foul night. I said it's a foul night. Yes, it's a foul night. What are you doing up in the lakes? On a walking tour? Yes. Have you walked far today? Very far. Ah, beautiful country up here. Not like it anywhere. Very beautiful. How did you come to be out on the road in such a lonely spot at this time of night? My companion fell and hurt his leg, and then we got lost. Ah, lucky for you, you found the road. You could have wandered through these hills until morning. Still found yourselves miles from the nearest village. Very lucky. Never known a July so cold and wet as this one. Very wet. Aye, very wet. It is very hot in here. I would like to open the window. Oh, well, if you must. But I wouldn't open it too wide. You must be soaked to the skin. You'll catch your death of cold, you and your friend. Hey, how about him? Is he asleep? He is asleep. How do you know? He didn't even look to see. He is asleep. Hmm. Where exactly are you heading for? Where are you going? Warrington. Should have been there by now, but I got held up at Penrith. I can drop you off at the next town or anywhere along the road. I thought perhaps you would be going to London. As a matter of fact, I am, but not until tomorrow. Tomorrow is no good. I must get there as soon as possible. I thought you said you were on a walking tour of the lakes. I did not say so. You assumed it. You're not a very friendly character, are you? You see, to forget I saved you from an almost certain night out in this storm... You can stop the car and we will get out. Now, don't go getting on your eye, horse. I don't want to turn either of you out. Wouldn't be right in this weather. Very well. You might close that window up a little. There's a draft blowing round my legs and I'm beginning to feel right cold. The wind is cool and pleasant. Well, I find it far from pleasant. At least you can put it up halfway. Thank you. stopping. We are still at least ten miles from Warrington. I've been driving for nearly eighteen hours. I'm tired. I'm finding it difficult to keep awake. You want me to drive? No. I've got a flask of coffee here. I'd like some of it. Any objections? It's not very warm. 
Hardly surprising, I suppose. I've had it in here nearly 20 hours. Here, drink this. It'll put some warmth into you. Well, go on, take it. Go on, it's not poisoned. Thank you. What's the matter? Don't you like it? It's too hot. I cannot drink it. Too hot? God, it's hardly warm. Perhaps later, when it has cooled off a little. Well, you're a Roman and no mistake. First you sit there by the window in soaking wet clothes and say you enjoy the draft. Then you can't drink a cup of lukewarm coffee because it's too hot. Let us get on. We're losing time. Well, I can't take it much further. We are going to London. Uh, you may be, but I'm not. I'm only going as far as the next town. I've got an hotel room booked. We are going to London. Well, then you'll have to find someone else to take you. I can't. What are you looking at me like that for? We are going to London. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Take your hands off me. Oh, oh, good heavens. Your hands. It's a cold. Oh, they're like ice. Help! Help! gentlemen. He may come in now. He's gone. Well, he's the one who gave them the lift, all right. And who are they? Martians or are they Earthmen? Conditioned Earthmen who have returned from Mars. Yeah, did you get a full description of them? Of uh, one, yes. But the injured one, more hardly saw. Does the description fit anyone we know? McLean, maybe? It was his voice I heard up there among those asteroids. I swear it. It might well be McLean. It might be anybody. Well, whoever he is, he shouldn't be difficult to trace. A man with very cold hands who cannot drink hot liquids or stand high temperatures. But what's the purpose of their landing here? Well, they must have been sent here to prepare the way for the invasion. But what can they do? Oh, plenty of things. They don't look any different from the rest of us, so they could easily get themselves jobs in high places. The power they have to hypnotize could enable them to wrest official information on our defense plans or anything else from people who had no idea they'd given it. In fact, if enough of them were landed, the whole country could well be completely at their mercy in no time at all. And not only this country. No, it could happen the world over. And then, when all was ready, the Martians need only appear to take over the Earth at their leisure. The world could wake up one morning to find itself conquered, yet not know it. Oh, turn it up, Jet. What are you trying to do, frighten the life out of me? But there's a great deal in what Jet says, Lemmy. If you hadn't escaped from Mars, McLean and thousands like him could have landed on Earth and been absorbed into dozens of countries and nobody suspect a thing. Perhaps they already have. I know, now don't. Well, gentlemen, I must get down to Space HQ and report this immediately. Very well, sir. And don't forget, if you shake hands with anyone with icy mitts, hang on and don't let go. I will, Emmy. Goodbye for now. <laughs> nationwide search began, but not a trace of the two men was found. If they were in London, as was supposed, the city had, apparently, just swallowed them up. Two weeks later, the four of us were taken to space headquarters and told to be ready to leave for the moon base at a moment's notice. It was still intended that we should return to the Red Planet to pick up what information we could about the Martian invasion, for in spite of the appearance of the asteroids in the sky and spheres down on Earth, Space HQ still believed that the main attack would not take place until 1986. We returned to our hotel to await transport to an airport outside London. Well, 
That's me all packed up. Hello, London, and goodbye. I've never spent so long in one place and seen so little of it. Uh, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> you at least saw your home. That's more than the rest of us did. Well, what are you grumbling about? We'll be heading for Australia tomorrow, won't we? It's <laughs> some remote launching ground in the outback. My home doesn't happen to be in the outback. Here, sit on top of this case for me so I can close it. What do you got in there, Nelson's column? What time is it, Jet? Mm, close on midnight. Car should be here soon. Morgan speaking. Car, hello, sir. Oh, I see. Very well, we'll see you at the airport then. Oh, yes, sir. That's quite all right. We understand. Goodbye, sir. Well, that was the controller. He won't be coming with us after all. No? He's been delayed. Says he'll meet us there. But our transport is already on its way. Did he say which field we're going to? No, but then he wouldn't. Not over the phone. No, I suppose not. Well, I'd better get a move on. I've hardly started packing yet. Me neither. Not that it'll take me long. I'll see you, that is, Lemmy. Yes, Jet. Uh, your car's here, sir. Uh, allow me to help you down with your luggage. Oh, that's very kind of you. Mine's the brown one. Over there by the bed. It was the guard who'd knocked at the door. One of the men who, ever since we'd arrived in London, had kept watch outside our hotel suite 24 hours a day. The corridors were deserted as the guard, carrying Lemmy's suitcase, led the way to the elevator. A car was waiting at the rear of the hotel, and apart from the chauffeur, there was no one in sight. Inside the car, the curtains had been drawn over the windows and across the transparent partition that separated us from the driver. Soon we felt the soft vibration of the gearless motor, and a few seconds later, we were speeding on our way to the as-yet-undisclosed airfield. How soon before we can open the windows, Jeff? Well, not until we're outside town. Controller's orders. Uh, I wonder how many people are raising their hats as we go by. Why should they? Well, with the curtains all drawn like this, they must think we're going to a funeral. <laughs> all right, Lemmy. Take a peek outside and see where we are. Nothing out there that I can see, except trees and fields. We must be out in the country already. Good. Then draw the blinds and open one of the windows. Let's have some air. Yeah, good idea. Oh, that's better. Yeah, how about this curtain? Get behind the driver. Shall I open that too? Yes, you might as well. Uh, but let me put this light out first. There you are. I'll go ahead. And slide back the panel too while you're about it. Find out which airport he's taking us to. Hello, chum. Sorry if I startled you. How far have we come now? 28 miles. Oh, have we? But it's hardly half an hour since we left the hotel. Orders were to drive you as quickly as possible. Well, there's no need to go mad. We'd like to arrive all in one piece. Hey, Jeff. Which airport are we going to exactly? Driver's voice. Yes, Doc, I can hear it. Our destination is not to be divulged. Well, of course it isn't, but you can tell us. We're going there anyway. Lemmy doesn't seem to notice anything wrong. Let him talk. Keep quiet and listen. Yes, sure, Judge. You'll know our destination when we reach it. That is all I can say. Well, then I think you're being unnecessarily secretive. If the controller had been with us, he would have told us where we were going. I am not the controller. A good job, too, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, now turn it up. You can't get away from me, you know. I'm in this car with you. And six, what's he doing? Trying to kill us? Hey, slow down there in front of you here. Slow down. I've got a notice he's taking her there. Hey, hey, keep your seat, Mitch. Wait a minute. Lemmy, what are you doing? He's climbing into the front seat. Lemmy, be careful. Don't you worry, Mitch, boy. I'll handle this. Now, you. Oi, slow down. Do you hear? Are you going to? Or do I have to slow this thing down for you? Lemmy, be careful. Oh, oh, blimey, his hands. They're cold as ice. Leave me alone. Oh, what are you looking at me like that for? Oh, no, you don't. I'm wise to your little game. Take your hands off that key. Jeff, stop it for Pete's sake. Slow down. Slow down, do you hear? Slow down. Watch out. Look out in front.
That was episode three of Journey into Space. Taking part in this recording were Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, and Don Sharp as Mitch. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Chilton. <laughs>